you for joining us for the Help for Wounded Spirits broadcast. We exist to help those wounded and suffering through life's trials. Here is our host and best-selling author, Doug Carriger. Great to be back with you folks. What an honor it is to be able to come across your earwaves with this broadcast and to be friends, to be part of this uh, uh, ministry together community. It's pretty great. With me is Kevin. Kevin's still hanging out. He's uh, still west of here in Harrisonville. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. You know, I, I, I can't up thinking as we're thinking about where I'm traveling from and to. So I've been six months out west and west, unless you're just right on the coast of like the northwest, uh, it's it's dry. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the coastal mountains make uh, any wind that comes off the ocean, it's going to drop on the on the windward side. And then the leeward side is going to be dry. And, and so it's been dry, 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 which, which I like, but, uh, now that I've crossed into Missouri brother, it, uh, it is green. It is humid. It is bug ridden, but it is really beautiful to see life again and not just rocks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful here right now. You know, it's, uh, uh, May in South Carolina, every night it seems to rain for a little while. <laughs> Everything is just a beautiful, beautiful green, a dark, rich, uh, well-fed green looking grass and trees. So we're pretty excited about that. And just, just how can you look at God's creation and not see God, you know? Yeah. Uh, I feel, you know, I guess this major atheist from Oxford university, uh, this week had made a comment. So once in a while, I listen to this guy's podcast. Uh, actually, a friend of mine named Jim Apple, I want to call him out, told me to listen to uh, a scientist from up in Canada. He's from originally from England. His name is Jordan Peterson. He brings different people on and he asks questions. And I'm not even sure if Jordan Peterson saved. He gets a little ripe sometimes. But they were mentioning how more and more people are saying, you know, there's no moral conference or compass and that this atheist over there in Oxford said, wait a minute, my whole life I've been looking for a, a moral compass among people, but it's not there because there is a God and we're looking to the wrong place. That's why we want letting little girls become little boys and little boys become little girls. And uh, folks, not to hit that for too long, but just having the idea that when we look outside, we know there's a God. We find ourselves, yeah. we, we, we kind of use James uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 12 as our guide uh, to talk about when trouble comes. And we're using no book or anything. This is something we just put together on the fly. <laughs> we're using the Bible, the most important book of all. But here we are in verse number nine, and it says, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that, that he is made low because as the flower of grass, he shall pass away for the sun is sooner risen with a burning heat. But where withereth the grass and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth, so also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. And so here's God, and what he's doing is he's addressing that we all have these different circumstances as believers. And so God's reminding us right here 
uh, Brother Kevin, he, he's reminding us uh, that, you know, if we're humble, rejoice in that. Rejoice in, uh, in their exaltation and result to God. On the other hand, if we're rich, rejoice in, in being humble and brought low. And it's drawing this parallel that no matter where we are, whether we're the grass, whether we're the flowers, whether we're, it passeth away, it fadeth away, but God never does. God never does. The riches of this world is going to fade away. But my friends, we serve a God that's never going to fade away. We serve a God that has answers to all of us. And I want to throw 12 on here. I know it's going to take an extra little time. We'll, we'll give Kevin a little time. But I want to wrap through 12 today. And it says, blessed is a man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. And uh, there's a blessing upon those who can endure these trials and temptations. And, and folks, that's what this is all about, right? We, we can endure when these things come along. You know, we're tempted when trials come. We're tempted when trouble comes to go astray. We're tempted to find ourselves at the local bar and club. We're tempted to find ourselves gossiping or hurting. We're tempted to find ourselves doing the wrong thing, hanging with the wrong crowd, all that. And here's God reminding us. But blessed is he that can endure this. You're blessed. Ladies, gentlemen, you're blessed if you can endure this. If you look at it joyfully, if you take it for what it's worth and grow in it and get shined up, get polished and look good, Kevin. If you can do that, there's a blessing. Yeah, this passage of scripture is so rich because it shows in a principle that that this is how life works. This is how God works. And if we learn to cooperate with the, like you said about, you know, the creator, if we learn to cooperate with the creator and then get a hold of his instruction manual that he gave us, it's, it's going to work out better. But you know, the principle here, um, largely that I'm seeing is let the brother of low degree versus the rich, um, the brother of low degree comes out on top. Unfortunately, the rich often as a principle come uh, is made low and, you know, a broader principle you could back up through the scripture is the humble versus the, the proud, um, you know, the, uh, the low degree, that's oftentimes where we find ourselves, you know, you just look at that word degree and you just think to yourself, well, that's just talking about a, a, um, you know, a a demarcation on your life where something has made you fit in with, you know, the, 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 the lower crowd. So suffering is a great equalizer and it puts everyone down at the same degree. And rich, unfortunately, is a, it induces pride because pride is saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a cut above everybody else or I'm, I'm multiple cuts above everyone else because I've earned all this money or I've been given this money. I've got a better lifestyle. I've got a better set of options that, that, that I can look to. And any one of us can become, you know, proud, but here the Bible lays it out so plainly. And you think about trauma, um, the, the rich in that he is made low. So somehow, in an effort to bring the rich to salvation or bring them to blessing, God has to make them low. That's just about the only way. In fact, when Jesus told the disciples that it's harder for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than the camel to go through an eye of a needle, um, the 
you know, cut, just skipping over the whole analogy there, the, uh, their answer was um, to Jesus, who then could be saved? Jesus said, well, you're right. It's impossible for man. People don't naturally humble themselves if they've got a lot going for them, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. So praise the Lord in our life, a trauma comes in and it makes us low to realize we're at the same level as anybody else. We're just, we put on our pants the same way. We're, we're Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he had to go out in, you know, he had to go the other direction. He had to go from common man to beast. And, and he was eating with the, you know, the cows because uh, he needed to be really humbled. And when he came, when he got his sanity back, he said, you know, um, there's a God in heaven. So he was, he was made low. And he was brought uh, probably to salvation, I, I think, at that point. And and praise God, you know, try, I don't, you know, we were reading in Ephesians the other night uh, in a church service I was in, in Ephesians, I shared it last night in the church here with Brother Brian Hedges. Um, as, as we were here at Heartland Baptist, I just said, you know, it says in Ephesians 5, um, giving thanks for all things. And the idea was not only in all things, but we should thank God for a trauma. And you mentioned this yesterday, Doug. Thank him for the fact he made us low. Because if I'm not brought low, you know, if I can humble myself, I won't have to be utterly humiliated eternally even. But if I humble myself, God will exalt me. But if I don't humble myself, God will humble me or humiliate me. And like Nebuchadnezzar, it'll turn out to be bad. So, Brother Doug, I'm just so thankful. I want to thank God for the trauma that God let me go through so that I can see that I'm just common, common flesh. Yeah, just the promise of the crown of life for enduring these things. And, uh, you know, thanking God, say, God, you're going to give us a crown. And we know what the crown's for. We got to lay it at Christ's feet. It's something that we don't deserve. But our God is so compassionate, so wonderful, so caring that he's going to take the time to say, hey, Kevin, you did it. Thanks for going through that trial and trusting in me. Thanks when you were on the ground crying and praying that in the middle of all that, you looked up the mountain. And you said, God, I just can't do this. I need to give it to you. We serve that God that we can do that with, folks. We serve the God that even when we've messed up, even when we're at rock bottom, we get to look up and say, hey, God, we got you. We need you. Help us, please. We beg you. Folks, we'll be right back. Doug will return shortly. Meanwhile, you're hearing this music while radio stations are identifying themselves and broadcasting advertisements. Well, thanks for hanging in there with us. And I I was doing a little study yesterday on, on... What's covered after we get saved? And, and, you know, we talk about all these things going on in our life. And, and, and 
you know, when we get saved, we forget that we're, God's taking care of our sin. We still have a responsibility after we're saved to say, hey, God, we goofed. Help us. The Apostle Paul said, I die daily of this stuff. But you're not going to be judged on that. It's already been taken care of. It's covered. Christ covered all that. Uh, you're going to stand judgment for what you do with this ministry or, or what God's done for you. And we get bogged down in the sin side. We're always bogged down and say, oh, man, I'm a sinner on that. No. And God's saying, that's covered. Stop it. Get right with that. Now start doing something for me. And I was studying that out a little bit this morning. I haven't got to where I want to get, but I was really thinking about that in the form of a message. And, and the more I think about that, I realize that when trials comes, when troubles come, when temptations come, we get so bogged down in sin. And Christ took care of that sin on Calvary. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there's some pretty big stuff that happens right there with sin. And don't get me wrong, the Holy Spirit of God, we're not going out murdering people and say, hey, we got this covered. No. We, but we're, we, we, it's covered. We give it back to God. We say, God, we messed up. But if you get bogged down in that, you'll never do anything for God. If you get bogged down in that, you're going to be stuck in your troubles. You're going to be stuck in your temptations. You're going to be exactly where the devil wants you, Kevin. You're going to be an inept Christian, and that's what the devil wants. Yeah. You know, Jesus said that the, uh, I'm just looking up the verse. Jesus said, um, the cares of this world. So, so we're, we're like, you know, the word of God is a seed planted in our heart and the, the, the character of the soil determines how good that seed, the seed's perfect. It's the word of God. And as it springs up, um, Jesus said the cares of this world in, in, in one case it, with, with one particular degree of fruitfulness or lack of fruit, he said the cares of this world in that case are, and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in choke the word and it becometh fruitful. So as you're talking about what sin does for the believer, um, sin enters in and it sometimes enters in, like you said, with trauma, we get into that place of darkness and then we get into sin. And what happens is it's a distraction. It comes, it's entering in, it's a lust entering in, disturbing our rest that's found in Jesus Christ. And so it's not that God is in heaven saying, I'm angry at you. You sinned. I'm mad at you. Uh, I hate you. You're unworthy. He doesn't change his view. His love for us is, you know, underneath of the everlasting arms. He's got eternal love for us. It's just always there. He doesn't change, but what happens? Our attitude toward his, toward him changes, and that ruins that fellowship. And so the relationship in Christ is secure. But our fellowship with him is influenced by the lusts of things coming into us. It would be like if I was driving a BMW and it was just, you know, BMW is a great car. But if I started putting ga um, uh, water into the gas tank or water into the uh, oil, BMW is still a great car, but it will interfere with how the thing goes. And um, that's the way it is with sin. Sin enters in 
And, you know, God shakes his head sometimes and says, you knucklehead, why'd you, why are you letting this interfere with your peace, your joy, your rest? The joy of the Lord is your strength. And you've just now, you know, you're, you're, you're messing it up and you're going to, you're going to make your mind darkened with some of the things that you're getting into, but praise God. The whole answer is, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And what that's talking about is agreeing with God that, uh, like, like, uh, I think Job said, or no, Elihu said to Job that God's looking for someone on earth to say, I have sinned and it profited me not. So it's not that we're sinning and it's making God angry as believers. We're sinning and it's it's profiting me not. And God is waiting for us to agree with him that his way was was best all along. And it's that's that humility. And he's such a wonderful savior when we do that. He just makes everything like it never happened, gives us, restores full peace, joy, love, long suffering, all those great things. Yeah. What a God. What a God we serve. What a, how does that song go, brother? What a mighty God. What a mighty God. What a yeah. mighty God we God serve. God we serve. Yeah. yeah. Remember that? What a mighty Angels God. Angels fall before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty yeah. God we serve. Anyway, so I, you know, thinking about all this, thinking about how we can get bogged down when trouble comes, or we can humble ourselves and we can look up the hills and, and we can start figuring out what can I get out of this trouble? Number one, to make sure it doesn't happen again. Number two, well, really number one should be to bring more honor and glory to God. And, uh, and so then number two, you know, what can I get out of this? that brings more honor and glory to God. And then how can I I help others. How can I take this trouble I just went through, take this trial I just went through, take these temptations I went through? How can I have a mature view of them? Because I believe, you know, if we if we really look at James 1, 2 through 12, and we just have over the last few days, if we really look at them, you know, he's teaching us that we find these joys and these troubles and these trials and this upside down temptation filled life. And it gives us more patience so that we can endure things. And, uh, and it makes us mature. And, and, you know, and, and God throughout that is emphasizing that we, we must seek wisdom and faith through all this. We must be steadfast. We can't be double-minded. So if we put all this together somehow and just, and look at this from a perspective of what in the world does this all mean to me? Number one, troubles are coming. Folks, can I tell you, if, if trouble's not in your life right now, they, you just got done with them or you're just getting ready to go in them again, God uses them to shape us, to polish us, to prepare us, uh, again, to get closer to him, the sanctification process, to love him more, to help others. There's a purpose for it. And, uh, and, and, and so it's coming. It's coming. So what God's saying here in, in James 1, uh, 2 through 12 is, listen up, seek wisdom like you've never sought wisdom before. In the middle of those troubles, when it hurts to go to God, that's when you go to God. When it hurts to get out of bed, that's when you roll over and pray to God. When it hurts to uh, open your Bible, open it quicker. When it hurts to pray, just say, God, cry to him. He, those tears, he captures those tears. And, mm. and, and he knows what everyone's for. 
And so, so we have this responsibility to look at troubles, to look at trials, to look at temptations and say, God, what is this all about? And God may make it perfectly clear. God may, you know, this is all about helping folks with this, or this is all about this. And then sometimes, sadly, folks, i got to let you in on something. Sometimes three years later, you're driving down the road with your pickup truck in the middle of South Carolina somewhere, and you have to pull off the road and cry, and God just reminded you why you went through something three years ago. Mm. And that's okay. That's that unwavering faith. That's that unwavering thing saying, hey, he's God, and he's going to do something with this. I love it when couples uh, that have been through the junk of life, and all of a sudden they're like 80, you know, and they show up at church, and they muckle a hold of you and weep with you and cry with you. I was there last night, and when prayer time came and, and the troubles I'd went through with the testing and stuff, four men converged on me, and they all held me in their arms and prayed with me. Praise God. And one of them wept and said, I've been there, brother. I've had surgeries. Oh, folks, that's the God we serve. Come back tomorrow. We're wrapping this up with some information on temptations. We sure do love you. Hey, pray for Kevin. He's all over the country. We'll talk to you soon. May God bless you. Thank you for listening to our broadcast. At Help for Wounded Spirits, we believe the Bible and place great importance on you having a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior. The Bible delivers a clear and simple message of salvation, outlining how you can begin your personal relationship now. First, recognize that you are a sinner, as all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Second, understand that there is a cost to our sin, as the wages of sin is death. Third, realize that Jesus alone paid that price. To receive salvation, simply ask the Lord to save you in Jesus' name while believing in your heart that He alone can save you, and He will. If we can help you with your salvation or to direct you to a local church, please do not hesitate to contact us. For additional helpful resources, including our new TV series, more information, or to donate and support this crucial ministry, please visit us at WoundedSpirits.com. May God bless you.